Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, welcome to the Great Women in Compliance Podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. We are sponsored by Corporate Compliance Insight and your hosts are me, Lisa Fine, and Hama Lomax. It is great to be back, and I'm so excited to be here with Lizette Arias today. She is a leader in ethics and compliance and is currently a director of ethics and compliance at Conagra Brands. She was also recently recognized in, as an emerging leader in this year's Diversity MBA Top 100 Under 50. Lizette is a seasoned investigator and compliance leader, and her perspective is very unique because she is someone who has raised concerns and navigated that side of things as well as doing investigation. When we first spoke, I was so caught by her experiences, what she's learned from raising concerns and how that can happen to any one of us on a day-to-day situation. And I was so thrilled that she was willing to join and talk about this in some detail with us. So thank you so much for being here. Um, Before we get started and all that, can you tell us about your background? Certainly. First of all, Lisa, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm super excited and feel very privileged to be part of this uh, GWIC 2.0 version. <laughs> I I want to get started with just telling you, I started my career in accounting, actually. I worked for eight years in, in the, the big four, and I did investigations for over 20 years, leading me into what I do now, which is ethics and compliance. And I've had the opportunity to work with companies as they develop their best-in-class subsequent to DOJ investigations. So happy to be here and excited. So can you tell us a little bit about how you found yourself being a whistleblower, if you use that term, or raising the concerns that you raised and how that happened? Sure. Before I go ahead and get started, I just want to make sure I say this, but my opinions today are expressly my own, and they do not express the views and opinions of my employer. The way that this happened to me where there was a concern was that in the course of our if my work, I was doing a T&E review, something that is just very common, right, doing a T&E review for red flags, right, or uh, suspicious mm-hmm. transactions, This was the first time this was occurring at the entity that I was doing this for. And so the transaction that was identified as a red flag was related to a leader in the department that I was in. And what caught me off guard was that it was a gift card and offering gift cards was not allowed in our policies. That really was like the the catch, catch one for me. And right off the bat, just we can just see the accounting of it seemed off because it was recorded as a fee of sorts. That was the initial all right. And so then what did you do to next once you figured out that you had this flag, which is a typical one for many of us to see? Yeah, it was, it's so typical and it's very standard, right? So the next thing you do and being in my role, I moved it on to further review, right? And I had conversations with a couple of my colleagues on what the next steps would be. Uh, and really for us, further review would mean reaching out to folks to just understand the nature of the transaction And at that time, honestly, this kind of seemed so pretty standard to me because I'd been doing it for so long. I didn't realize that just doing that further review was just going to turn out to be what it what it did. Right. And so the initial response of my manager was, wait, 
because he wanted to talk to the manager, to to their manager, to see if it was okay to look into a red flag. Was it? It was to it was and it was not. No. Subsequent to that, we like we held meetings with uh, the other colleagues that I was working with on this, and in in a. And within that meeting, all of us were advised that we could not investigate, we cannot investigate this individual, which was a leader in, in our own department, and that we, we would be putting us in a weird spot. And so if, if we were to try and do anything, that we would lose our jobs. Which, that was really the comment that sounded very off to myself. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it sounded off to the others because in the call, I was listening to them saying, this doesn't sound right now. Why would you need to say that to us? And so honestly, at that point in time, it just dawned on me that something wasn't right. And I put myself in the shoes of those that I had investigated over the years because I felt like it was happening to me at that time and it didn't feel real. So basically, just to recap, you raised the concern to your manager. It's a leader in your group. And Mm -hmm. the response, even to asking questions about whether or not why there was this gift card or anything else was don't ask any more questions or your job. Yeah. And it was as simple as that. It just happened in the initial stages of a simple review. And what did you do after that? Because that's a pretty scary moment. That's the kind of thing that when we hear about that, or at least me as an investigator, you immediately, you know, double down and I become really concerned. So what did you do, both being the compliance, uh, you know, professional and ethics professional, and also the person raising the concern? At that point in time, I honestly felt like the big sister in that group because I was the one that was responsible for managing these types of situations for that entity. So I I felt a little bit of something in my stomach, right? I know that night I had to speak to my husband and kind of bounce back this on him because I d- didn't know if it was I hearing things, was I seeing things, was I taking this too far, was I thinking of overthinking this? But subsequent to this and days later, one of those individuals on that call had reached out to me and said, I I, want to report something. I want to make sure that this gets reported. What do we need to do? How do we report this? And so based on the triaging process, the best thing to do was to report it outside of our department. And so that's exactly what we did. And so there it started. Okay. And when you, outside your department, did that, was that, where did you report it in your, in that organization? Audit. Okay. And did audit, what, did they follow up with you? How, how did it go from there? Did it improve? It definitely, I want to say that the actual uh, review or investigation in itself definitely improved. I think the appropriate protocols were taken for that. However, what did not improve or started to change for me was the role that I had within the entity. Soon after, I started getting like emails and calls from my colleagues asking me why I had not been invited to a meeting to discuss a certain case. And that was actually my bread and butter role, part of the role. So I didn't understand what was happening. And it, it lasted for a couple months like that. And I, it, I knew something was being done, right? There was an investigation that was taking place at some point during this situation. And 
I was just thinking to myself, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Did anybody ever talk to you about either why you weren't at meetings, like your manager or someone else, or why you weren't being included? Or was it just an unspoken thing at that point? My colleagues were I were telling me that they were just, they just were, they're like, I'm sorry, Lizette. I'm sorry that you're no longer being invited. But what I did do is I set up a one-on-one with my manager, except I invited somebody else on the call. And uh, that's where I asked the manager what was happening to my role because I was no longer being invited. And it was at that point in time that he was telling me that he was thinking of changing things in the department and I was no longer going to be managing cases. And I didn't understand that given that I had been hired to do that. Yeah, things for that for me started changing. What I did there is I just wrote notes of that meeting. I didn't understand what was happening. And I would confirm that I wrote my meeting notes correctly by sending an email to everyone saying, please let me know if I'm incorrect here. But I basically started documenting everything because it just started to feel like retaliation to me. And was there a stated reason for why you were they were changing the role or just I was thinking about it? There was no reason. There was absolutely no reason. They said they were just thinking about it. There were things were happening, but I never really received a reason. It was just so weird because I started thinking, but really why? These are really simple questions that we're asking. We're not really pushing or like nothing. These are conversations that are normal to me, right? Or have had been normal for many years for me. Yeah. And then to follow up from that. So this is all playing out in that way. And then did you ever hear anything about results from the audit review or follow-up? Yes, I did. We all got uh, set up for a meeting to to be told the, the outcome. And uh, we were never really told the outcome in this meeting. We were just thanked for submitting the concern. There was no outcome of the investigation. But at, later on during that period, I was advised that the external investigators had confirmed the violations. And in that meeting where we were told of the findings, or I guess not findings, really, they were just thanking us for submitting a concern and telling us that the investigation had been completed. I, in that same meeting with the external folks and our colleagues, I raised the concern that I was being retaliated against. And I raised the concern to that person that was giving us the information, which was the leader of HR. Okay. I have two questions about that. First of all, after the, you said violations. So after that initial gift card, did you see mm-hmm. that there were, was a pattern in practice of that or was it? No, we were told to stop whatever we were doing. We were not allowed to do those T&E reviews. It was the first time we had done it and we were not allowed to do it anymore. They were going to put a halt to the to that exercise. Okay, great. And then the second question would be following up from that with HR present and the retaliation concern, what happened? Did anything come out of that? Nothing came out of that. And so I, I know that nothing came out of that because part of my role was to accumulate the statistics for all sorts of cases. And while I was not privy to details, HR needed to give me the number of cases for specific categories, which included retaliation. And I, in, in that particular quarter, I noticed that they had zero retaliation cases. And so at that point in time, I realized that they had not recorded my case at all and they had not investigated it at all. 
And this, so what this, I, mm-hmm. yeah, what did you do then? Cause this is a, just an unbelievable thing. I was scared. Um, honestly, I was scared because uh, during this time, you're just, I feared losing my job, right? I feared like something wasn't right and I just didn't know what it was. Um, I didn't know who had my back and who did not. My own, my management didn't have my back, right? Because they were all part of all of this. And so what I did is at that point in time, I was managing the, the hotline myself, right? Mm-hmm. So I knew that if I filed a case in the system, they could not delete it in the system. And so I filed a report in my own system under retaliation, and it was obviously triaged over to HR, but I knew that it was recorded then. And that, to me, is one of the most exceptional parts of this and how I would bet that throughout your life, anytime you've worked with hotlines and hotline providers, I'm sure the last thing you thought is it might be you. Um, Yes. Once that happened, I would assume things escalated in a different way. Um, oh, yes, they sure, they definitely did. I received a letter of acknowledgement on company letterhead, which was actually not part of the the process because usually we just get an email saying we've received your, your concern, right? Like an automated email. But I received a formal letter, letterhead telling me that they have received my concern and then they were going to be doing an investigation. At that point in time, I... I reached out to the person that had sent me the email because when I submitted my concern, I did not put my name there. The only thing I said was, I will give you my name once I talk to you because mm-hmm. I knew that concern was going to be seen by others in, in the process. And I didn't want my name out there. So I said, I will contact you to tell you who I am. Okay. So they the email and company letterhead, did that go through the, the system then they responded? No, they sent me the, the, the email directly to my email account once I have identified myself. Oh, okay. I was just wondering if for some reason they knew it was you and sent you the letter before, which is, there are times where when a concern is raised, at least that I've seen, where basically the information and the details limit the people it could be. But I've talked to, I've coached people on this and you know what, the person says they're anonymous, even if they say I'm the one person who could know or do this in this country, keep the anonymity, even if it's because it's important to them. That's interesting. Okay. So they sent that to you and then how are you feeling at this point? I felt I, I continued to feel scared for obviously losing my 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 job, right? The timing wasn't right for that to happen at all. I had really when I had made a change to this new entity, I had really to me it was really a big it was a good positive challenge for me. And so I was it was something I definitely didn't expect to happen. So I was scared for to lose my job, but I was also upset because I was being told to do something very administrative in my day-to-day, just mm-hmm. administering and triaging cases. That's I'm a CPA, I have an MBA, and I have other certifications. Like I, I knew I could do more than just administrate on a tool. Yeah. And how, do you know how the investigation went or what the next steps or follow-up were? And what was your role and just what happened? Yeah, so the I think it happened within, I want to say, a couple of weeks where they reached out, the investigator reached out to me and told me that they had already completed the investigation and it had not been confirmed. There was no retaliation. However, they wanted to let me know that my role had actually changed six months ago and that I had been, there had been a restructure in the department and my role had changed. And at that point in time, I stopped that conversation and I said, you just said my role changed six months ago but I was never told that my role changed. How is it that 
Had I not filed this concern, I would have never found out my role change. Officially through HR, I don't understand that. And I was the only one restructured in the entire department. That doesn't sound right either. I felt discriminated against. Okay. And then it's, I feel like I keep, we're talking about almost like a soap opera because after that all happened, at, at this point, did you know, to answer two questions, obviously, the what did you do? And the second one is, do you know if anything happened about the original concern? I do know that for the original, cons- you mean the original retaliation concern? The, re- the original retaliation and also the gift card issue that had kick-started this all. Okay. Yes. The T&E review did not occur anymore. That right. was something that was just going to happen. And in terms of the closure of my retaliation case, I knew that this was not a company that I wanted to uh, work for. Right. Um, at that point in time, I felt like I, I learned that they had hired me to check a box and not so much allowing me to do my job. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I, this is what I do and this is what I love to do. And the reason that I do it is I have many reasons to do it. And so I knew that I wanted to not be part of that entity anymore. So at that point in time, I, I, I moved on. Did you, were you able to negotiate what you needed or did, were you ever involved with lawyers or anything along those lines? I did hire, I did hire a lawyer, but I can't discuss the remain the remainder, but I felt that I needed to do that and, and go through the process of just separating myself from the entity. I think that makes sense. And one of the, the reasons I asked about a lawyer is not to see any details of that, but I think sometimes when you're in the middle of all of these things, in some ways it can almost, and this is your experience, potential feeling of like gaslighting or the, the check of some third party who is uh, at least can help you through it in that objective manner. I was wondering whether I hopefully it, that you did that could help at least keep you understanding because it's, it, I would guess it's not just, it's very emotional and personal at this point. It was emotional, personal. Honestly, there was days and nights when I, I, there was nights when I just couldn't sleep. I was worried. I did have to, I did have the necessity to bounce this back with uh, two of my mentors whom are very dear to me in terms of just having seen me grow in my profession, because I really wanted to make sure that I was seeing things as clear as I could and that others were able to give me this Am I seeing something wrong here? Is this really happening? Or am I overstepping here? But it, it wasn't. It was happening. It was happening to you. It and, was happening to me, yes. Yeah. And one thing that originally that we talked about and that I, I thought was just a, a like, such a kind of a cool aspect of where you've come out of this and that you have a fabulous role now, you're doing lots of things, but that you've really learned to, by your own personal experience to have empathy that we all hope we have, but in a different way. So what did you learn being on the other side of this for you personally as an investigator? I learned that, uh, I learned uh, five things. One is that obviously this does happen to, it happens to any of us in this profession, even if we have been doing this for a very long time. I also learned that we don't deviate from what we already know, right? If this happens to us, do as you would for any other case, right? Don't deviate from that and document. And if you're having conversations, always have somebody there next to you because this is going to be critical later on. Mm -hmm. Mental health is important through this process because you will have your ups and downs, right? People are 
during this process, people are beginning to question you, especially your the perpetrator in this case. Mm-hmm. And you're being, I know, I remember I had some point that individual was like, well, you better start thinking about the future, about your future in this company, right? After having conversations with him. And this is after, before all of this occurring, him have, having given me a very good review. Do you know what I mean? Like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, number four is just knowing that our professions have prepared us for this and just keeping our cool and professionalism is critical mm-hmm. because what one thing we don't want is to sh- shut down our credibility during the entire process. Yeah. You got to keep your cool and knowing now knowing that companies may be hiring you to check a box. That's that could be happening. And so going forward, you, when you're interviewing for a role, make sure that you're talking to folks in that department because you need to consider the culture of that department. And these are things that may have come up during the interviewing phase. So yeah. that's the fifth one. Yeah. And in terms of basically feeling, having been in the actual shoes, is there a, any kind of specific tip in how you would deal with a, a reporter? For me, I often try, whenever I talk to somebody, regardless of what the claim is, I talk about the courage it takes to speak up. I, you've seen it and you've lived it. Are there any other things that you would think that would help us from a practical standpoint in being able to help those who are doing what you're doing who don't necessarily have the same awareness or sophistication in, within the process? When I was going through this, the only things that I thought about and were important to me was that I would be able to go to sleep and mm-hmm. sleep well and feel good about what I was doing, right? Because at the end of the day, you go back home to your family, to your children. I have a four-year-old and I want to be an example to him. And you just think about the situations happening to them and you're like, what would, what would you want? How, how, how would you handle yourself? How would you want your son to handle this? Um, those are the, the things that I thought about when this was happening to me. Um, yeah. And I guess um, one other thing is that you're a Latina woman. And I was wondering in terms of, do you think that impacted you during the process or the perception of you? I've, I've been looking at some different articles recently, and I saw one that referenced a study that was very statistical. So that was passed to me. But um it was talking about how men in powerful positions and organizations are less likely to follow, face retaliations when they speak up and women don't have the same protections. I guess I think of it like if a man says something, it's a concern that they'll address having more gravitas. And in some situations, women may not be afforded that. So I was wondering if either in this instance or in other situations, you, you may have thought that it was impacting this. This is an interesting question. One, because it would be very interesting to actually see studies like this with actual interviews with with real individuals that are submitting concerns, right? I can only speculate because I was not allowed to follow up on what I thought was a simple situation. I think that in my case, it was more pressure the entity must have felt not to raise eyebrows due to ongoing scrutiny by outside entities and a conflict of interest in the case in itself. And quite frankly, misconduct, right? I'm just handling the entire situation. But I'm doing this because I am determined to share my experience and provide insights to better prepare others for the unexpected. Personally, that's like a motto of mine. And it's posted And whenever I have to speak on behalf of organizations that I'm part of or serve on their board. 
I do this in all other aspects of my life mm-hmm. as a uterine cancer survivor and a first generation college graduate. It's basically the action following the saying that we're familiar with, right? Sending the elevator back down, but <laughs> preparing those folks to for when they do come up, right? Have right. them be ready for something like this. Yeah. And when we can meet them in the lobby or to help I, and to make people feel confident in your experience, the, the scary part is you're, it wasn't, you weren't able to, we want to tell people at our organizations and we want organizations who encourage this and make it okay. And you know, recognize what you did was for the protection of the organization and what you went through. Appreciate so much that you know you have done that with us and that you're willing to talk about it because it's it can't be easy to talk about. Yeah. And I think we need to talk more about it. And I know that there's more out there like me, but I also know that there's a f- continuous fear of retaliation in no matter what shape or form, even if you're not with that entity anymore. Yeah. I think it's very scary because people who raise concerns are whistleblowers. It's the first question that, I mean, I, when I hear people who represent them have said is, are you prepared for what this is going to do to you? And I think that is something that by you speaking, you're helping people understand that you can also come out in a great place on the other side. I know this is, doesn't, is representing you and not your employer, but look at these things that you've accomplished both in your role and in your community after this happened. That's definitely right. And it's made me so much better in terms of having the empathy for reporters and having the empathy for others that feel like they need to raise concerns, right? It totally, it, it takes a whole different aspect to a speak up program for me. And I guess I, I would also just ask you, what do you think is the most important thing to, to convey to people in a speak up program, given your experience? I think tone at the top is important. And one of the things that I like to do with like new hires, especially when they're going through their new hire training, is put a little spot in there for the program in itself and get to meet get to meet me, the person, and not a recording of it. Mm-hmm. And being able to say, this is what I do. This is the speak up program. And being able to share with them that I've been doing this for a long time. I empathize with having the courage to do the right thing. And, and having the full support of leadership and knowing that leaders are walking the talk, it makes me feel really good. And I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. I always hope too in programs is that the leaders will go and, and say, I think it's, I, I think I often say this is like a inexpensive, but I think effective way. So I want to hear your view, which is if you have your leaders who say, look, I hope you have avenues that you feel comfortable raising concerns whether it's any different ones or even to me. But if you don't feel comfortable or if you even have a concern with me, we have a reporting mechanism and we want you to speak up however you feel comfortable. I just love the idea of if people at the top and people outside of a legal compliance function are saying that, I think it just uh, resonates a great deal. It does. It does a lot, especially when you have a, when you're, when you have a company that either has like, uh, locations that are far off from corporate, right? So oftentimes mm-hmm. you'll have uh, entities or plants and they'll be like, oh, that's coming from corporate. It's coming from the folks out there. But when you have that closeness and even your local leaders are saying, speak up if there's something that you have a concern for, those local leaders, it's like, uh, it takes us back to middle management, right? Like the, the importance mm-hmm. of middle management is have the middle management also have the speak up program knowledge so that they can be able to share that at that level, at the local levels, because those middle management are receiving this from their top management 
And so it's not like, oh, it just works downwards, right? Exactly. My manager is in, in my organization is the person I'm de- definitely more concerned about day to day than the CEO. Not that I don't want to succeed, but my manager impacts my life. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you so much for, for joining me and for talking about this. I know it's not an easy thing or an easy conversation and it takes courage to speak up, but it takes more courage to also, after speaking up, to speak out about it to help the rest of us. So Lisa, thank you so much for for joining and helping us send the elevator back down. And on behalf of Hema and me and the Compliance Podcast Network, thanks so much and have a great day. Thank you. And I appreciate the, the opportunity to be able to share my story. And I really do hope that somebody out there is listening to me and realizing that you are not crazy if you keep doing what you're doing and you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And you have our podcast community and Lizette or me or we'll, we'll, we, we are here for each other. So thank you for being here for us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.